Escape from Plan A. Hey guys, uh, welcome to another episode of Escape from Plan A. Uh, today we're mixing up a little bit. Uh, I'm hosting. Yeah, with me I have uh, Diana. Diana, say hey. Hey everyone. Uh, hope you guys are all doing well. It's been a rough couple of weeks out there. I We cover some pretty weighty stuff, so I'm really hoping this reaches people in a good place. You know, if you need, if if I hope things are going well. If they're not, self-care. All the way. <laughs> Hydrate. <laughs> Hydrate. <laughs> Hydration is key. Uh, no, I feel kind of bad sometimes. We talk about these really heavy, weighty things, and for me, it feels kind of like therapeutic. But then we put this out there, be like, okay, now you people deal with this, right? Um, <laughs> and like, there you go. I feel better. Um, Anybody so- <laughs> else could start their own podcast, all I'm saying. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'd like, I also like to think, uh, like, this is a two way street, too. Uh, if you guys feel like yelling at us about something, or want to tell us, uh, please feel free. I actually really like hearing from people. Uh, you know, obviously compliments are highly welcome, but like, like discussion, like I've had really great discussion with people like, uh, you were totally wrong um, on the pod. So like, I don't, if you guys want to talk, come talk. Uh, we're, we're, we're here. We always put our Twitter handles, uh, contact info uh, in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, so I wanted to give a, a shout out to our Patreon followers. Uh, your support is so awesome and helping so much. Uh, we're, we have a lot of interesting articles coming up. We're hard at work editing them, recruiting uh, authors, making sure making sure our pieces are on point, And we're really looking forward to having you guys uh, read that. So thank you so much to all of our Patreon uh, subscribers. And for people who haven't subscribed yet, um, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna say it's a it's a good it's a good move. I think um, you're helping support a lot of up and coming Asian American writers and cre- content creators. Uh, you know, the five dollars a month gets you access to the Discord. Uh, we have really great conversations, and overall, it's been a really fulfilling uh, community to be a part of. I'm really happy that I'm really happy to be a part of this. So, um, me too. All right, without yeah. See, see. Um, <laughs> so, without much ado, we'll just uh, we'll get right back into it. So, this one, um, so Diana, you wanted you brought up the the topic. So, I wanted uh, I was hoping you could take a sec to kind of put that into context for our listeners, so we can slide into actually like digging in and raging out about it. Mm, yeah, uh, it's I don't know how to necessarily describe it succinctly but i just feel like there's so much that um there there's so many like similarities uh between you know like different uh facets of like identity politics and you know like they're overlapping and intersecting in different ways but like because of that that complexity isn't really fleshed out and there's a lot um that kind of goes missing in the conversation i feel like especially in terms of like asian american discourse you know there's not a whole lot of uh not not a whole lot you know in terms of like uh actually you know like kind of empathetic thorough discussion of like race and gender intersections you know, like what has been said, what's been missing, you know, what are like the areas that we, you know, kind of have blind spots in. So I thought we kind of would go through that in terms of, you know, our personal experiences and what we've what we've witnessed in the past maybe few years. Yeah, of that's like, a big one. Yeah, really like really think really digging deep into in the weeds of weeds of this topic yeah 
That's a good one because, I mean, that's been one of the dangers of being involved in these uh, quickly politicized, uh, like, especially after the, after Trump, uh, in the Trump era, I feel like uh, racial identities, identity markers have become very loaded as political stances, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can, you can, like race is kind of conflated into a political uh, stance. So with that comes, you don't, so the, I, even though the goal of, you know, intersectionality and coalition building is to create, you know, a spectrum of alliances um, that's hopefully inclusive and uh, encompasses as many people as it possibly can in strategically uh, valuable ways. Um, I my, my experience has been that the opposite has happened. We keep getting more and more fragmented, like the lines get the lines get sharper and and the gulfs widen. So people, the tendency is for people to who start off in r- bigger groups to constantly fracture off into smaller and smaller um, subgroups. Yeah, that's my and experience. Each time schism too. happens, it becomes even more. It, 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 when the goal is supposed to be more nuance, more con- context, more rigor, um, it becomes more emotional less rigorous and more extreme it extremist and i don't mean like politically extremist or like extremist in, as in like a, a to be associated with violence i'm saying extremist as in black and white very much a binary almost machiavellian you are with me which means you're with me 100% dissent means you are you are my enemy yeah. And this just keeps happening. It's not speci- it's not unique to Asian Americans. This is happening everywhere. So, um so I don't want I don't want people to start, you know, to think that this is something very uh, pathological about us. This is just a ne- I think this is just a consequence of what uh, what we've been doing as a society politically. Yeah. Uh, probably for a while, but um like turbocharged with uh, Trump being in the Trump being in the White House. Yeah, I, I think it's just useful for us to talk about it now because there hasn't been as much discussion within our our group as others like that I've seen. Yeah, so the two big slices are, in this case, um, race and gender. Um, and then you segment off into smaller and smaller groups within those two intersections. So for Asians, loosely, we are one group, right? Asian Americans uh, but still, we're still segmented off by gender. Like, there's Asian men, there's Asian women, and so far, from what I've seen online, there isn't there isn't enough room in the discourse to even to be able to properly contextualize, say, uh, non-gender binary or trans yeah, Asian I, Asian Americans. A huge hole. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a huge hole. Yeah, or even just the you know queer Asian Americans. Yeah. There's such a steep gender binary, but within that binary, it's still black and white. It's still male versus female. It's very much an antagonistic uh, split as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it and all of these splinter groups, um, with a few a few exceptions that are uh, that we'll probably get into later, but they tend to be they at least start by saying. Um, they at least start by saying we want to be inclusive, right? Knowing that there is a gender gap. We want to try to uh, foster a true coalition between men and women in this group. So basically saying race is the primary split, gender shouldn't, and we're trying to de-emphasize gender as an antagonistic identity split between in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's it's legit work and it's hard because it's actually... It's trying to actually put into practice the intersectionality. Um, I don't, I, I'm not an academic feminist. I don't, I'm not really well read on all of that. Um, but my sense from doing at least some reading, some trying to get myself a little educated on this, intersectionality seems more like a cop out the way it's used in popular discourse than, than anything else. It's like, oh, it's complicated because, you know, we're writing the intersection. Okay, now what? Yeah. Like, what are, how do you actually, how do you actually resolve the tension there? How do you actually navigate that intersection? Right. Um, as opposed to just diagnosing it as complex because it is the result of complicated intersectional grievances or, or, um, 
uh, demands or something. Do you know what I mean? Am I, am I just ranting? Okay. No, I, I feel like um, it's, it's cop-out in two ways. There's that um, complexity cop-out. And there's also a cop-out of like, oh, well, you are this oppressed group and then you are this oppressed group. So you're two oppressed groups, which means you have more oppression badges than this other person. And it's like the diagnosis, like you say there's complexity, but then in the actual diagnosis of a problem, you just go to the most um, reductionist um, understanding of an intersection. Yeah. And it turns very absolutist pretty quickly. So I've seen, you know, in spaces like just using, keeping it in house, right? Um, like Asian women shouting at Asian men by saying, you have male privilege, so you need to shut up, right? And let, you know, let women, you know, let women center themselves mm -hmm. in the story. Which, I um, mean, it's true sometimes, but other times it's yeah. not. Yeah. And this is what I mean, like, like absolutism, right? Like this just gets applied too heavy handedly, uh, even when it's inappropriate, yeah. right? Like if you want to acknowledge that, um, like, like say, okay, you want you need women's voices centered. True. Does that mean Asian men get no space to have their issues centered? Is there never a time for them to be able to take a take a stance and um and you know call on women to support them, right? So when it turns absolutist, it's like it's like every time uh, someone from this particular uh, set of identities speaks up, they get shouted down, right? 100% of the time, despite the party line being one that should be open to nuance and context. Um, so I don't, I don't like that. Um, yeah, I guess maybe we could just talk about some situations or like, uh, different, different kinds of like problem context in which, you know, like, competing identities are present and like maybe kind of our interpretation of like what should take precedence if some if one or the other can or if there's you know some way of like negotiating the two just like just maybe provide some sort of roadmap for how to go about like teasing out the context of these like complex you know interactions I, I don't know about a roadmap right this is really just it's about to me it's about honesty mm -hmm. it's an it's honesty about why you know why you want to say what you say or what it is you're actually trying to get at like what agenda are you trying to uh push out there and just being very honest about what it is you you want i think um a lot of people are very angry at being able to smell the bullshit. Yeah. You can't claim to be for X when all of your actions point to Y, right? And then you can't fall back and say, oh, well, you know, I have this many more identity points than you, so de facto, I am de facto correct, and you can't criticize. Well, here's the thing. It's like, I feel like a lot of times, um, and I don't know if this is true of everybody, but it's like, a lot of times when people are having these discussions, they are not honest with themselves. Yeah, so, yeah. yes, they are bullshitting and they get called out on it. And that's it's good that they get called out on it, but they are probably not aware of what they're doing and they aren't doing the thing in bad faith to fuck with uh, another person. It's just like, that is just the result of like their specific experiences and traumas and like where they have ended up, you know? <laughs> so it's like, how do you, how do you call out the bullshit while still um, respecting and empathizing with the person? Because that person is still like in your group and like deserving of like respect and empathy. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a good point because um, as as these communities fracture into smaller and smaller identity splits, um, who counts as in group fluctuates pretty rapidly. Do you know what I mean? Like, so there are fights that break out because um, allegiance is assumed. Or assumed to not exist. Like, uh, 
Yeah, let's just fucking go there. Who gives a shit? Do it. Uh, like, <laughs> like talking about WMAF. Mm-hmm. I'm not even gonna bother to explain that acronym, um, that shorthand, because everyone who's listening probably understands what that stands for. That's just how that's just how deeply rooted this this issue is for us here. Um, I'm, I'm if I sound annoyed, I I am because I I think it's talked about completely wrong on all sides and has been for a very long time. Um, but so an issue that I keep seeing is, you know, when men talk about women, right. Needing to see that resume. Yeah. Like asking, like, who is she dating? etc. What's her history, etc. Like they'll go, like they'll dig through Facebook, Instagram, like years back to try to sniff out, you know, what this person actually stands for. With and the the idea is to use this as a as a way to be able to identify her as either in group or out group, right? And it's not to me. It's a it's a it's one thing if it's a like there is a dimension to it that ha- that has legitimacy as a social and political issue, uh, but the fact that I feel like it's drifted over time into a, an ever more black and white situation, like a purity like, test, it's gotten to the point. Some yeah, purity tests, right? It's gotten to like, um, but yeah, it's a it's a total purity test. Uh, some corners of the internet have gotten uh, to the point where. If she's ever had an Instagram photo with white people in it, she's tainted. They'll like people will use words like sin and contaminated and dirty to refer to women. And this is all part of like sussing out whether she is in group or out group, whether she's safe to be to deal with or is down for the cause or whatever. Uh, there's a dimension to that that needs to get called out. It's gross. With, and you, you, you do this because you do this first, and that's somehow necessary information to be able to evaluate whatever issue it is that brought this woman to attention in this particular space. Yeah, and that's like independent of anything else. And also it supersedes anything else. I think that is kind of a messed up element. It's just like... Like people change, people like reevaluate who they are, and um, you know, like do the work of decolonization. And it's kind, it's like I feel like uh, there's an element of like this, this thing that I'm doing supersedes everything that you could possibly do to um, you know, like, like anything you could possibly, like, like you have no agency over who you are as a person because I've deemed you who you are based on this one thing. Mm-hmm. And that is extremely, um, it's extremely disrespectful, extremely patronizing. Uh, I guess, you know, if it, because it's being applied by men to women, that's how, when I see it, like, that's misogynistic. It is. I mean, the I, I, it, a lot of... Unqu- I'm not calling these people misogynists. I'm saying what... Uh, letting behavior like this go unchecked and unexamined is misogynistic and leads to bad results. And it's hypocritical because you're saying, oh, these people need to examine themselves, but I'm perfect. I'm well, above there's it. also narrative, like men can be redeemed, but women can only be tainted. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like that stain does not wash off. That's where the concept of like the banana ring, right? Like once she's, like she's just soiled, dirty. She's a sinner. Uh, cut her out. Yeah, right? it's so gross. And I know the justification, but the but it's easy to think of women like this because we have a huge patriarchal misogynist framework of understanding women that enables that makes it easy to think of women like this in a way that men can't be thought of it's the de facto way that women have been thought of for centuries you know just like the whole it's like the whole religious element is so gross to me what do you mean the religious element um like you know like the concept of purity or versus sin it's such a it, it's uh 
It's like very, very much like a Christian doctrine kind of thing. And that itself signals a kind of like a white supremacist framework and heterodoxy of thought that should be examined in itself. Yeah, it implicitly accepts a hierarchy, right? And I, and for progressivism, you have to be willing to challenge hierarchies, right? Um, but and so, not saying a hierarchy is bad or good, right? You just have to understand what goes into it and what we're willing to collectively uh, buy into to support the hierarchies we do accept as a society. And we're in the middle. Of, we're in the middle of a whole society-wide reevaluation of all of that, right? Me too. Affirmative action. All of these have come into uh, come into the spotlight, and all of that is basically a society stopping for a second and being like, "Hey, these are the rules of society. These are the rules of society that I've bought into, that we've all bought into. These are the people who are at the top, according to this. This shit doesn't seem okay. Let's talk about this." So this is a questioning of all of that. So in these, not if you want to call yourself a progressive or you want to be involved in th- in these politically activated identity groups, I think the onus is on all of us to seriously examine all of these unchallenged, unquestioned assumptions that implicitly add up to some hierarchy of thought. Um, and I don't see enough of that level of introspection. And I'm not, I'm not just singling out men in this. Like I see some bl- blind spots uh, that uh, female-led identity groups uh, fall into as well. But it's a, but I think that's the trap when we politicize, you know, like racial identity, gender identity, um, because it's a political, because it's, there's a political, politically activated mindset to it. Like that means that there's some political goal. Um, so the next unchallenged question is like, what are you willing to overlook in pursuit of those goals? I think that's the blind spot that, that really got us thinking about this pod, like what we're willing to sacrifice or what we're going to let just kind of slide for the overall goal that we're all, we're all trying to push towards. Yeah. Or like not even what, but who we're willing to sacrifice. Yeah, that's a, I mean, and that blind spot means, you know, okay, if it's somebody you've decided is in your in-group, right, after all, the person who passed all your rigorous purity tests and, you know, ideological uh, shifts over time, Mm -hmm. that this person is your ride and die. Mm -hmm. Um, What happens if that, if, if your bro, right, does something wrong that goes, that's against your stated principles? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you more likely to write him a hall pass, kind of overlook it because of an excess of sympathy for because he's your bro? Like, do you hold that individual more valuable than your principles? I'm not saying that's necessarily right or wrong. You can see cases where uh, either would be the right, the right, like the morally correct answer. But I think it's at least worth worth asking if your goal is a political, like let's say like race, right? Like we're all we're all we're all progressives. Uh, advocating and hoping and working towards, you know, a more just society that has, uh, that has better race relations, right? Equitability among race, among the races. Um, does that mean in, in pursuit of that, in pursuit of that goal, you might be willing to say, overlook somebody who is abusive to women because he's such a, he's such a strong partner in the race fight, in the fight for racial equality. Um, I, that's, that's a huge criticism of the civil rights movement. Uh, it doesn't get, it doesn't get enough play, but the contributions of a lot of women, black women to the movement have been overlooked and suppressed, um, over concerns because they were raising concerns about harassment, rape from inside that, from inside that group. And I mean, and not to, as to balance that out. Uh, the suffragettes, right? We 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 know their names. We celebrate them, but they were giant fucking racists. They were huge fucking racists. These were a bunch of white women who were, um, in no small part, motivated to get the right to vote because they, because they would not be able to talk. To- they would not tolerate the idea that a black man would be able to vote before they could. And even there's, you know, like feminists who are like, oh, these men passed my purity test for what, you know, like a feminist 
a male feminist woke base should be. And if they do something really fucked up to a random woman who's not a public figure, I'm going to write them a hall pass. Which is, I think that's even more fucked up. But yeah, know. we saw that all throughout like Me Too, like pretty much as soon as um, the initial horror at, you know, Ronan Farrow's piece on Harvey Weinstein broke, like just as soon, like you would just see, um, uh, you would just start seeing uh, powerful white women start writing hall passes to their chosen few white guys, like throwing lifelines. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like Salma Hayek. And maybe the... Yeah, Selma Hayek's op-ed in the New York Times comes to mind. Uh, Teen talked about that some in a previous pod. And it's all about like so. These are this is kind of a negotiation, a, pers- a negotiation of uh, uh, like valuing personal relationships over stated principles, leveraging principles to to you know overlook um, to overlook personal flaws. On the flip side of that, yeah. But there's you know I feel like that is at least a thought out um strategy that somebody's doing but there's also just like implicit assumptions of who deserves protection who i feel a person feels more connection to you know it's just like if somebody who's in your in group is abusive to a woman who's in your in-group are you going to not see the warning signs is that a blind spot for you would you feel the same way would you not see these things or would you be hyper vigilant if it was somebody who's outside your in-group because that's a fucking important question to ask yourself to um interrogate about what your real alliances are yeah and it's what what you stand for and why you're why you're why you're interested in it why you're invested in it i think it's a giant a giant act that we all put on to pretend that we're not like there's kind of that dance you have to do you know you have to kind of pretend that you're not personally invested you're just in it for the ethics yeah yeah but like that's bullshit we're all there's a personal stake that all of us brings to this to the table here and it's legitimate but it's worth it's worth being honest about that because that personal stake in it does incentivize all of us. Uh, it does bias all of us. And we all have blind spots that open up as a result. If we want something this bad for personal reasons, there's always going to be something we're willing to sacrifice or overlook in pursuit of that goal. Um, so it's it's important to just be really honest. Um, and I think... Uh, like. The Asian corners of Reddit kind of get a lot of hate, but I actually really like that they are willing. At, at some level, it's a low bar; it's a low fucking bar. <laughs> but at some level, I I appreciate that uh, they're honest enough to be like, no, my in group is Asian guys, right? Um, and that's and my goal is for is is for racial, you know, an advancement. In the uh, rank, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to say this well, but like an advancement in Asian male position in the Anglosphere, um, right? That's that's a very clear cut uh, mission statement um, that actually takes a lot of introspection and honesty to be able to say. It gets condemned. It gets condemned by hypocrites, honestly, who are willing to, who are like, oh, we stand for everybody and everything. We're here to be inclusive and progressive, and, and, you know, and validate everything. Like, well, that's not really a political group. No. Um, and if you look at the dynamics in these giant, yeah, if you look at the how these, like, the dynamic plays out in, like, these bullshit Facebook groups... Um, no, there's a ton of silencing. There's a ton of vitriol and personal investment in like pet causes that aren't anywhere to be found in that kind of pie in the sky, overly optimistic, um, uh, like mission statement. Yeah, and I I just feel like the uh, the most vulnerable people ultimately always get hurt in these situations. In that, they really do. Yeah, and it's like if. You, you can't pretend to care about those people if you're being dishonest about what you really care about. 
I mean, you can't call yourself a true progressive standing for universal human rights. If you're more willing to, if you're more incentivized to see one particular group's rights as superseding another's, or if there's more, and this is hard to calibrate, especially, uh, I mean, already given that, you know, how alienated and disconnected, say, Asian Americans are from each other and from society, right? It's hard to calibrate what's an excess of personal solidarity. Um, so what, where is that line between, you know, understanding where your, uh, your buddy is coming from versus uh, seeing clearly what he is doing? Sometimes I think we value who people are uh, at the expense of being able to see what it is they're doing. Uh, like, just by saying, like, we all put, like, there's this expectation that we need to perform, like, goodness as people. Right? Like, like our identity badges kind of become points. Yeah. It's like who we are instead of, like, the actions that we take. Yeah. Like, I'm a vegan. I'm a minority. I'm a woman. Um, etc. Okay, that's who you are. That doesn't, but like, what did you do? Like, what you did was shitty. Um, so we're not attacking who you are, we're attacking what you did. Like, who you are has no bearing on this. And by invoking identity, this is kind of a cover. You're kind of saying some actions are less bad by virtue of who this person is. Or some actions are more good because of, you know, who the various bundles of identities that people carry with them. Yeah. Um, I feel like I have two things on that. Like, I, you know, there's one that's just like um, who we as a society feel is deserving of empathy and who we just assume is going to do the work of empathizing. And usually it's like men, white people are more deserving of empathy you know, that's that's just like what is con- what we're conditioned to believe. And women minorities are supposed to be the ones who are doing uh, the emotional labor work for the for the other people there. There's just these certain assumptions that you need to, like, understand are there and that you need to um, work around and like really really think about who you are and what you assume when when those things happen you know cuz like yeah and the second thing is it's like if you feel like you need to go ahead and defend somebody who has done something shitty on the basis of their identity that kind of tells me either that you don't care about the person who is harmed by that or you feel like you identify with the other the person who is the abuser in such a way that it makes me wonder what you are hiding you know i wonder if we're being too um too abstract so maybe maybe um let's Let's see, putting it into context. So, okay. So, um, so a test case for this would be, say, it comes to your attention that someone, um, okay, like the story, like what I was talking about earlier with these, uh, with, with these groups, uh, and being very, uh, invested in sussing out, um, the identities of this uh, person before even being able to evaluate her actions, uh, and usually that that defaults to who she's dating or who she has dated in the past. Uh, I think it's really worth understanding what what motivates the urgency of that question. Like if she's facing abuse, but it's by a white guy versus say an Asian guy or a black guy. If your answer, if your understanding of the situation changes depending on who the man is. Then that tells me that uh, your commitment to um, the rights of women comes is actually subordinate to a masculine racial grievance. Yeah, like um, like a like the masculine racial grievance supersedes any 
harm done to the woman or like it's just not prioritized that's not what is centered here even though what is actually happening is like a woman is being actively harmed and nothing else you know another thing that i see is like if there's a like a like an asian woman who's really really harmed like assaulted murdered something asian men will be up in arms about it you know but then if there's like more something more minor like an asian woman on a dating site interacting not even dating but like interacting with a white man and receiving some like harmful or abusive messages they'll be like well that's your fault this is your problem like you are the problem not them and they'll actually use like like a murder case to further like blame the woman for the aggression done to her and that's like really fucked up you know i mean they'll do that to the murdered woman too yeah yeah and it's just like yeah that's not you know like you don't actually give a shit about any of these women so it's like like that's and this is where like introspection is really important here like i'm not saying i'm not necessarily calling these guys this or that right this isn't what this is about this isn't a call for introspection it's being very it's being honest about what is triggering you about this particular situation and why it's important so i think it's i think i think when women um when there's criticism of these places there's that suspicion of hypocrisy um like you're talking about like like you're presenting yourselves as progressives and liberals um espousing uh righteous you know politics right espousing equality among the genders etc like a level you know the downfall of white supremacy leveling field for people of all identities um yet it the way these issues get talked about kind of indicates that that's not exactly what is mo- is the primary motivator for these politics yeah exactly like, are you are you are you for are you claiming to be um in favor of the equality of women because uh because of all like part of this seems reactionary and like it's not like the cause cause and effect is not exactly clear on this one um like you want you're claiming to be for the rights of women and standing up for that um to position yourself in opposition to white men who are uh, who are and you're litigating a case that they are depraved and abusive, none of which is false. Uh, but just saying, like, are, is that an, a legitimate dedication to um, the rights of women, or is that still just a tool in your tool, it, it, just another weapon in your arsenal to use against white men? Yeah, and I, I just want to be frank. Like, we we know it's the latter because we can smell the fucking bullshit. Um, just like, you know, like Asian men can smell, suss it out, you know, when like, like an Asian woman is like, oh, I'm for Asian representation, but like, they're clearly not here for guys. Like they just shit on men like endlessly, but they're like, no, but I'm here. Like I'm here and I'm Asian. Therefore, like, you know, I'm for everyone. Yeah. There's bullshit on all sides. Uh, It makes it very, very frustrating to navigate these spaces with like, um, with any semblance of an IQ. Um, so everyone's just full of it. And it's like, and it's gotten so bad that everyone's re- like, it's like many layers deep, right? There's no honest response. Cause now it's bullshit in response to bullshit. It's, it's hypocrites and people with poorly thought out politics, um, and bad ethics, uh, saying, put, putting out total bullshit that's actually in contradiction to what they stand for that's treated as 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 legitimate and whole and attacked by other people spewing bullshit based on their own package of grievances yeah i mean i think you're spot on when you say like it's they're just packaging personal grievances as um like moral probity and politics because and i think part of it is that like 
we don't have good outlets for our personal grievances. Like, nobody gives a shit. And that's part of the problem. The second part, I think, is, like, we have to be honest but, but about, like, the material advantages or disadvantages of, you know, our actions. Like, what do we gain economically, um, materialistically, by doing what we're doing? Can you explain that a little bit more? I don't think I quite follow. Well, um, you know, like how, like, an Asian woman, if she, like really wants you know to date a white guy and like be in white spaces if she's like oh i only date white guys because asian men are abusive like that's dishonest it's racist and essentializing and it's like it's not true either she has like personal grievances that she needs to resolve or she's like uh it's you know, I want that uh, suburban mom, like, wine mom life. You know, it's like, <laughs> if if that's what you're going for, just who cares? Like, don't put it on other people because you feel like you need to be morally upright, you know? Because everybody can smell that bullshit from a mile away. Yeah, that's frustrating. I, and I, I, I have empathy for for the guys here. Um like we're just not in a place in society where where men have the ability to be able to center like personal shit and have it be heard. Yeah. And this is the trap of like white male supremacy, right? This is these are the terms dictated by white masculinity, right? That men are supposed to be reserved, kind of isolated, unchanging, unyielding, uh all that shit, right? Um they are the providers, the rock and then in challenging that model of white male masculinity, this is where men of color get thrown under the fucking bus because they are treated as having the same pathologies um, with none of the redeem with none of the redemption or none of the benefits. Um, so there is to me, there is deep legitimacy in a, a, a man of color saying this is my personal grievance, uh, like to me, just without any backing or it, by any like current events or politics or I don't need any of that. That personal grievance has legitimacy to me. Um and I understand the instinctive resp- uh, response by men to hide that because again that's uh that's kind of unmanly, right? To just say, you know, I'm unhappy with this this I feel this x y and z is keeping me down um and it's oppressive and it's unjust. Right. It's still considered not manly to air out that personal grievance. You're supposed to just keep your head down, go to work. And if it gets too bad, just swallow a bullet at 60. Um, that's just te- the template. And it sucks because we're right when we're in a period when we're actively questioning and challenging white male supremacy, we're actually shutting down um, men of color. Mm-hmm. And like uh, white feminists do it, too. They're yeah, like, um, all the fucking time. Yeah, like you shut the fuck up because you're a man and you don't. Yeah. And like, well, and it's like, bitch, no, you shut, no, you shut your white trap <laughs> <laughs> and you listen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but so I understand the, I understand what drives people. This is why I like in, like fucking introspection, 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 right? I understand the impulse for men to, kind of pretend that these personal issues are not actually relevant like uh like no i'm not like personal like no i'm not personally i crush it with the ladies i'm rocking every dimension of my life it's just out of a sense of like obligation or you know moral superiority that i'm i'm deigning to engage in this conversation here um right and then like use and use like politics or you know grand social uh theorizing to grant legitimacy to their personal grievance uh and that's that gets dangerous because then that means that if you're putting it out there if if we're talking about politics or talking about current events or anything uh that should be able to be discussed on its own terms you should be able to push back on that but then the way you notice these uh these threads on facebook reddit whatever whatever forum um it all goes down the same way basically um it devolves into a personal argument, like within five minutes, mm-hmm. 
Because if you push back on the thing being talked about in, say, like an article or an op-ed, um, this is read as a personal attack. Because again, we're not talk we're not actually talking about current events. We're talking about personal grievances dressed up with current events through the medium of talking about the news. This is how we're addressing uh, personal shit. I also feel like a lot of times, even if we're talking about personal grievances, like I think there's like some personal grievances that people still aren't ready to touch. And so they sublimate them into other grievances. So for example, I, f- I feel like I see a lot of guys complain about dating and sexual politics and stuff, but nobody says, I am being really horribly mistreated at work by my boss, by my white co-workers. It's like, I don't, I don't know why that is, but you know, with the recent Facebook suicide and just with what I hear from people, what I know personally I've experienced, you know, uh, in like different, um, corporate environments, like I know there's a lot of shit going on that nobody is talking about either because they're scared of, uh, like being fired or, you know, uh, retaliation or because, you know, it like, uh, they, they see what happens in those interactions as more um, damaging to their psyche, kind of. And like, they like, like, it's too hard to admit that I'm being abused by this white guy with more power than me. So I can't talk about it. I'm going to instead complain about, you know, this like young woman cashier who may have side-eyed me or like this this girl who didn't go out with me freshman year of college, even though I went to the gym every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, see, I'm always thinking of like, what's the action item here? But like, the, so the action item here, like, okay, if we want to talk about undertaking the work to revamp, you know, what healthy gender identity looks like, um, then part of that work is on men to legitimize uh, that personal, like, being able to talk about themselves as people with issues and emotions. Yeah. And I see this with women, too. It's like some people have, like, savior complexes and they, you know, I'm probably guilty of this, too. But it's just like they see, um, like, a political uh, movement or uh, event and they put all their um, emotional effort into, like, making this happen or like uh spreading awareness about this thing but it's like it's it's just like personal you know grievances being sublimated yeah women are incurred yeah women fall into a, a related trap yeah. you know and this oh is of like being encouraged to martyr themselves. yeah of supporting men or supporting like whatever um supporting whatever issue and like if it if she's treated with suspicion if she isn't invested fully into that uh, and i think this is where that that whole like that tension between good mother um like working mom and stay at home mom comes in the good mom bad mom thing um like that suspicion that a woman who's kind of in it for herself is a bad uh is a bad mom and a bad woman because it she's suspected of not giving herself wholly to the cause. Yeah. Is there even such a thing as a bad dad? I mean, you have to be like abusive or like abandon your child to be labeled a bad dad, you know? But like a mom. And even then, if dad ditches, um, that situation's called a single mom family. We, we just call that a single mom family. Those dads are just running, running loose across <laughs> the land. There's just no dad, like... To be a bad dad? It doesn't have that same personal weight. Yeah, it just doesn't have the same impact. But women will tear themselves and each other apart uh, to show off, you know, how selfless and dedicated they are. Like, there's not a single selfish uh, thing she does in a given day. Yeah, I was actually thinking, like, a divorced dad that doesn't really spend that much time with their kids and just kind of, like, gallivants around... That's called a cool dad. That's like a weekend fun dad. Yeah. And the 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 dad yeah. like that stays at home, that's 
less like a loser dad. Yeah, dad bod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just call him kind of a kind of a losery t- kind of guy. That's just the social picture of him. I mean, we have images of like great men, um, but the idea of a great man kind of requires a it's a selfish man, if you think about it. Like one who was one who has dedicated himself completely to say work or whatever whatever he's doing and achieves greatness. But if he has a family, then that means that you know he actually was a bad dad. You you can't tell me that you built, uh, like, like Steve Jobs gets called a great dad, but it's like he was he is the founder and CEO of the richest company in the world. I'm not entirely sure he was picking them up from school and dropping them off in the morning. I'm not sure he knows his kid's pediatrician. But a great woman has, like, a great woman needs, like, do you read, like, those um, articles about, you know, like, CEO, lady CEOs and all of that? Oh, yeah. Oh, forgot who wrote that. Yeah, how far, like... Yeah, like I just read those are just like puff pieces, right? It's kind of sad. It's like some intern being paid 59 cents an hour uh being paid to write about a CEO, right? And pretending that we're all like on the same team somehow because we're all women. Uh those women will all still like fall over themselves to perform like a, to perform some good motherhood. Right, talking about how involved she is, how dedicated she is as a mom. And really, you know, if she works hard, it's really so she can be a better mom to her children. It just helps her be a better mom when she goes home at night. Uh, men don't have to perform that. This kind of went a little far off track, but I think, uh, but just pointing out like pitfalls for both men and women. Um, for men, it's a need a need to disavow personal involvement i feel like admit for a man to admit that he is having a problem is uh is akin to just him saying he's not actually a man and for women like there's there's a similar pressure on women to not um um to invest themselves fully into a cause but still try to not appear selfish about yeah, it. Yeah, like you can't have a personal grievance because that's too self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so, that's the like, heart the pressures of it. Both yeah. Acted sim- yeah, the pre- but like if you think about like the pressure actually on both men and women, it adds up to about the same thing, which means a denial of uh, yourself as a person. Needing to, like, feeling pressure to stick to some script about what a man or a woman needs to act like or be like to be accepted in public discourse. But the thing for men is uh, you can be not a man, right? But for a woman, you don't really lose your womanhood for doing something. But I mean, womanhood isn't really, like, something to attain. It's more like a burden. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's not a prize. Yeah. So. Yeah, if if a man stops being a woman, he's he's called a pussy. Yeah. He's one of us yeah. now. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, whoops. Sorry, dude. No, I think that's the heart of uh the heart of it. I think that's why people keep uh either not even miscommunicating, but just like talking over each other and that's why we keep having these um kinds of uh conflicts. Uh I don't know what the solution is. Maybe just introspection. But okay, that's so much easier said than done because it's like if you have a blind spot, you're that inherently means you can't see it. So like no matter how much introspection you do, it you might not get there, you know? You have to have people you trust and this is the power of coalition. This is one of the strengths. Right. When we when we're talking about we need to build like pan-Asian or across across gender or sexual identities or, you know, we, we need to build that solidarity. Uh, that's just become a catchphrase. But if you unpack that a little, one of the benefits of having a strong coalition is to be able to catch each other's blind spots. And this is where purity tests become really dangerous, because once that system of like rooting, like sussing out dissidents and, you know, um people who are secret like 
agents for the other side or some bullshit like that. This means that you've closed yourself off from the opportunity to learn from the people that you're there to learn from. Um, so this is the difference between a call out and a cancel. Yeah, you know what this reminds me of? It's like the um, like the the lib- like the liberals whenever they do something that's racist, uh, they get called out by conservatives so quickly, you know. And it's like you you need that opposition to call you out on your bullshit. Otherwise, like when you're in there, you can't really see it. It's like like. Taylor Swift, the KKK called her the Aryan, their Aryan princess because she did not have a single <laughs> yeah. person of color in any of her videos for like 10 years. And it's like, you, like, you know, like the KKK knows racism, you know? So it's like, if they call you a racist, they know what they're talking about. And this is. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's all just cynical, po- like political bullshit being leveraged onto each other. But you have to be able to call out your own. That's where the power comes from. Like a coalition isn't about cultivating, uh, cultivating agreement. It's about a strong coalition is one that can ma- healthily manage dissent. If it if it devolves into a purity test, you fucked up. Um, it should be like we're all here. We all bring different perspectives and we also bring our different blind spots. The idea of a coalition is I trust you enough. Like we agree enough on the broad strokes, like our politics are in line. We roughly have the same big picture goals that I can trust that if you're if you're criticizing, it's a in good faith and B probably, you know, pr- probably is pointing out something that slipped between the cracks. Yeah, and I feel like there's not either not enough trust or not enough courage for people to actually call each other out. Or there's just like not enough practice. I don't know. I think it's all of us. I think it's all of that. Like we talk we've been talking pretty deeply about, you know, like say Asian American social alienation, isolation, all of that. You know, then that means that if 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 this is true, then it also means that we just that muscle isn't very toned as a group we just need to get better at keeping keeping that in that in line well yeah as a group we don't ever use that muscle because we never call out the shit white people do to us like we don't have a good way like we don't have practice drawing defining our own boundaries calling bullshit out and like that's why our coalitions are shit that's why there's it's tenuous. It's so fragile. Um, and you can just smell the insecurity and anxiety uh, because it's so, it pussyfoots so much around. The, like, it uses very flowery, like, very clean, crisp language to say completely jack shit. Mm-hmm. I agree with both it's, sides. It's I want to support yeah. everyone. Fuck you. Toss in some intersectionality. We'll throw in some mention of the Chinese railroad workers. Um, and then call it a day. Be like, we need to come together as a group. What does that fucking mean, bitch? I don't know how to come together as a community <laughs> at, at this point. I've, I've never felt like I've been a part of a community in real life. It's hard to know, like, what, what, like, that's the, that's the call to action for all these, like, for all these glossy, uh, like, press releases or, me- or mission statements or, any- or everything. And it's actually... It's actually the opposite. It, when you get down to what kind of like action it does prompt, it's basically just saying, I'm not like you. It's just a distancing mechanism. Or we're just, we're like, don't worry. We are the good ones. You can trust us. Yeah, and it's bullshit. It's not about coalition. It's just about putting it out there that you are somehow above the fray. So, yeah, I don't know. The action item is just, I guess, trust some... Trust people that you ha- that have your back, right? Trust that they have your best interests. If they're criticizing, maybe you listen know. to criticism, like actually take it in. Like this helps everybody in the yeah, end. Yeah, and like everyone needs to push back more. Everyone, everyone has room to to expand their horizons of opportunity, even just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And so in. Uh, in comedy they say you know like whatever other people are saying 
you are like, that's what you're like. Ow. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? I mean, just like, you know. What the hell? What? No, no, no. Like. So how how do you, how are you supposed to, how do you, how do you incorporate that? How, How are you as a comic supposed to incorporate that is it like a brand exercise kind of a question so uh okay. whatever other people think think of you like use that to your advantage okay. either by uh digging deeper into that or subverting expectations mm-hmm. but you know like don't don't fight it you know like don't say like remember in the room when um or no in uh the disaster artist when the guy uh did you uh, did you see that movie yeah a long time ago and it was pretty stoned. okay well like um in the disaster artist like uh tommy wiseau is in uh acting class and the the teacher is like look i am gonna tell you straight up you look like a bad guy you need to play bad guys don't be the hero. And then Tommy Wiseau is like, no, I'm going to hero. I'm going to be a good guy. Whatever, you know. And, and then, like, the room happened, you know. But it's like, he could have he could have gotten into Hollywood and, like, played fucking Nosferatu or something. Like, he would have been successful that way. Well, that's an interesting one. Because... Um, I mean, I just feel like at the end of the day... Uh, your actions speak louder than how you think of yourself. Like your okay. actions make up who you are and other because that's what other people see. However you think you are and however you justify your actions, that's who you that's that's who you are to yourself. But like that's not an accurate pr- portrayal. Like you need to listen to what other people think of you and figure out who figure out what to do with that information like take that information in and uh really assess and like use that to introspect because other people will will see the blind spots for you i see okay so how does this tie into you know um like stereotypes we've been having conversations about about you know like like Andrew Yang, right? Like, is him leaning into the whole math thing, uh, like thumbs up or thumbs down? Um, I have a tough time with that one. Um, what you just said about, you know, um, about expectations, um, that gets me thinking a little bit deeper on that. Um, I don't have, I don't really have coherent thoughts on it, but it just got me thinking is all. Like, I've always been torn on, like, part of me is like, well, yeah, like, sure, it's like being bad at being good at math isn't a bad thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Let's take that. Let's I don't it's always confused me how that gets thrown around as a slur. So personally, I just don't have a problem with Andrew Yang using mm-hmm. it. But on the other hand, I understand the criticism that it's a stereotype. It uh, it feeds into it by itself may be relatively harmless, but it feeds into a much larger body of stereotypes that do have the potential to harm. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, like, if it was just, like, him making one math joke, it'd be fine. I'm like, I don't really care. But he's saying, like, like look at what else he's doing. You know, he doesn't have really good um, racial politics. And a lot of his policies are geared toward appeasing white people. So it, you know, like he's saying like, oh, like math jokes. Yeah. Okay. But what you really mean is you think that immigrants should all earn their place here, you know, and you like, you think that undocumented people need to work hard and not fuck up for 18 years before they um, can become citizens. That's like that. That's what's unsettling to me. Not the math jokes. Like, Master of are like the surface level. It's like the tip of the iceberg, you know, but it's like you see that and you know there's like a whole slew of messed up shit underneath. That's how I'm seeing it. Um, but yeah, it, I, I guess in terms of like who, uh, how other people see you, like, you know, you should, you should still like not ask people who are going to stereotype you, right? Like, if you're an Asian woman, 
you know, like if you ask a bunch of white comedians what they think of you, they're going to be like, oh, you're bad at driving. You're meek. You're a graduate student or something like that. But like, like, I mean, like people who you know will tell you the truth, who are perceptive, like, and who know you, ask them what they think of you and then do introspection that way. That's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's all I, that's a great, (laughs) that's all I have. That's all I have, I guess. There's nothing else. No, that's, that's great. We can, we can, we can cut it there. I think that, that said it all. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Escape from Plan A. Uh, Hope you found this interesting. Uh, If you agreed, disagreed, liked it, hated it, let us know. We'd love to hear what you, what you thought. We're trying to unpack some pretty complicated um, threads in the discussions that we've been seeing online. So uh, we'd love to have your opinions on this. Um, so yeah, thanks for, thanks for sticking around. Catch you next time.